welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Today's guest is Nick Shaw, who is the CEO and co-founder of Renaissance Periodization. Renaissance Periodization is a worldwide coaching and educational company in the fitness and nutrition industry. Um, I, I think it goes without argument that they're one of the biggest companies providing education for coaches and people in our industry to do what we do better in a more evidence-based approach. So much so that we've had every single main person of their company on this podcast except one. And that last one for this podcast is Nick Shaw, who is the co-founder and CEO, kind of behind the scenes running a lot of the business operations, which is something I've always been fascinated by is, is why people start businesses and how did they succeed at creating those businesses over five to 10 year periods. You know, those long lasting businesses really teach us a lot about what success means. Um, and recently, Nick came out with a book called Fit for Success, which is very fitting um, as far as the title goes, but it is literally his viewpoint on how to be successful. And it's an unbelievable book. He sent me a copy. I've had a chance to read it. And we had an amazing conversation about all things success. Um, he's even created a pyramid. So I'm going to run through this pyramid real quick for you so you can get an idea of the, the subjects and the topics that we're going to talk about and what's required in a systematic order uh, to be successful. And the first thing is work ethic. The second thing is internal locus of control. Third is positive mindset. Fourth is discipline. Fifth is purpose. Sixth is failure. And seventh is recharge. And we're going to go through each of these in different formats and different ways, but we're also going to tell the story about how Renaissance Periodization started and why it started. So I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast, especially for anybody who has um, a business savvy mind. This is going to be a great one for you to listen to and, and kind of take notes from so you can be a more successful individual yourself. Uh, you can click a link in the description of this podcast to check out his book, book Fit for Success. You can you can find it on renaissanceperiodization.com, but you can also find it on Amazon. So I'll put that link to Amazon uh, in the description because that's usually a little bit easier for people to grab. And you can follow Nick on Instagram at nick.shaw.rp. So if you you enjoy this podcast and you learned a lot from it, please do me a huge favor. Take a screenshot of this episode, tag myself at Cody McBroom and tag Nick at nick.shaw.rp. Let us know you enjoyed the podcast. We'd love to thank you and we'd love to share it on our story as well. Now, without any further ado, let's get into this discussion around fit for success with the one and only Nick Shaw. All right, man. So the first question I have for you is who is Nick Shaw? You know, Renaissance Periodization is a, is a large company, very respectable company, um, somebody that as a business owner and just somebody who's been coaching for 10 plus years, you guys have been 
somebody that's been in my like repertoire of studying and, and, and sought out information for years now. I've been to some of your seminars. So it's really cool to have you as like the final guest of the entire team basically <laughs> on the podcast. I've interviewed basically everybody. Um, but let's start with just kind of your background, man. Like who is Nick Shaw? Yeah, totally. So first, thanks for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, maybe save the best for last, right? There yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, totally just kidding with that. Uh, I, uh, I've always been into sports and fitness really since I was you know, like in middle school. Um, you know, played sports, so always loved sports, all that good stuff. So really, that's where my background and sort of love of fitness comes from. I just realized from a pretty early early age that uh, I just loved working out. I loved training and that the harder that I worked, the better results I got, the better that I would do compared to other people. And once you get a little taste of that, if you're a slightly competitive person, it's usually pretty straightforward. You just want to keep doing more of that. So I was always very interested in that and always just love training. I was called a gym rat in high school. I thought that was like the greatest compliment I could ever receive. Uh, no joke. I remember it was, uh, the, the high school girls track coach uh, called me that and I was like, I don't know if he meant it in a good or bad sense, but I was like, wow, like thank you. Like, I appreciate that. Um, like I, I was never a very talented person, you know, when it comes to sports or running or training or any of that. But uh, the thing that I realized is that uh, I had the ability. Uh, I don't know if maybe, maybe you could say hard work is a talent, I suppose, but uh, that was really the only thing that I had in my repertoire. So I was like, okay, well, I'll roll with that then. So that's the hand that I'm dealt. I'll take that and, and run with it. And again, like that's what drew me to, I was actually a runner in high school, but uh, then it kind of, I always loved lifting too. And so when I got to college, that whole mindset, I just kept lifting and it started kind of getting away from running as I got into college, really into lifting. Met Mike, of course, Dr. Mike Isertel in college. And he was like, hey, you should join our powerlifting club. And I said, okay, I'm a competitive person. I'm like, well, I like lifting. Kind of makes sense. And once I did that, I did a first meet. I'd only been training seriously. Like, I don't think I'd really ever deadlifted before. Yeah, I could squat, bench, whatever. But uh, they, he had me do it. I went down to a meet with him in, like, Kentucky. And I was like, yes, this is it. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I love this. I love the idea of getting better, always pushing myself. And, yeah, that was, I want to say, like, 2007 is when I met, uh, I met Mike. So what made you, uh, and I, I believe, are you, are you the co-founder? Did you, did you partner with Mike or somebody else to start Renaissance Periodization or how did that even come about? How did, well, what made you start it in the first place? Yeah, so it was Mike and I. So again, I met him in college. He convinced me to start lifting with him. So we started training together and then he actually graduated. He was two years ahead of me in school. So he went down to Appalachian State to get his master's degree and I was still in Michigan. And he actually coached me through my first bodybuilding show in 2008. And again, like I just knew that's what I wanted to do. I loved it. I, and, you know, it sucked, right? You're just you're miserable and you're suffering to do all that to go on stage. Right? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It just was right up my alley. And, you know, so he coached me. We learned a lot. Um, once I graduated from college, he actually got a personal training job in New York City. Uh, he just kind of wanted something to do, wanted to live in New York. I think his sister was living there at the time. And he's like, hey, you should come out and interview. Like, <clears throat> it would be cool. Like, you're graduating. What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Something fitness. Like, I don't know. So went out there and we were personal trainers for like a year. Uh, he got a little bored of it. Uh, it was probably, he was 
pretty overly qualified, you know, with a master's degree at the time to be personal training folks. So he went back to get his PhD. I stayed, uh, long story short, uh, eventually led to him training people online, me training people in person. We were sort of crisscrossing back and forth, always referring one another. And we just said, hey, why don't we just start something? And I had already had a company set up because I was training people on my own in New York City, which was actually awesome. I was, you know, it's in Manhattan, Midtown Manhattan training some of the, you know, literally the most successful people in the entire world. It's really cool. And so that's how it really got started. Like, no joke. This was, let's call it 2011, maybe 2012, something like that. Like way back in the day before, you know, online coaching was, it was just barely a thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you said you've been coaching for 10 years. I mean, same here. So 10, 12 years, something like that. But it's totally different now versus then before, Maybe you had Facebook. I don't even know if Instagram was around. Like now, you know, everyone and their brother is a coach, of course. So, you know, it's both good and bad. But that's really how we got started. It's just something that we, we love doing. And again, it's, it formed from that core passion that we have where we just love fitness. We love lifting. We love getting better. That's it. I love that, man. I, I often tell people, I get questions all the time, like, uh, like, how should I get into online training or how do I become a better online coach? And my first answer is always you should train people in person for as long as you can first because I think – just being with real people in person is such a valuable skill set. I mean, from communication to connection with clients, empathy, um, being able to hold a conversation and not just count reps, right? But then also seeing how they do exercises so you can actually prescribe them cues and ways to get through it versus just a list of things on a piece of paper that sounds good because you read a study that showed blah, 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 right? Um, so I love the, the practicality behind where you guys started from. Uh, why RP? Why Renaissance Periodization? What made you guys call it that? I've always been curious of what I love, like as a business owner, I love hearing why people brand the way they do, but what, what made that come about? You know, real quick, I'm just going to comment on something you said before. So uh, someone else had asked me before, well, like, why did you want to train people in person? And very much is what you said. You have to have that. How do you start online? Because you have no proof of what you can do, at least if you train people in person you have some credibility, you're able to gain some testimonials or whatever, like you have to start there. I don't think most people can just start online. You have to have something to kind of build your foundation. And from that, you can build upon. So it was great. I mean, it kind of got to the point where eventually I, I, I was only training people in person and doing zero online. And then I started to do a little bit of online and I quickly realized it was just more, more efficient. It's better use of my time, not having to travel over to New York City. So that, that balance sort of shift from in-person to online. So it was, you know, 50-50, and then all of a sudden it kept shifting more and more like this. And then when we finally moved down, we moved out of New York City. Uh, my wife and I, we had two small kids. So New York City and two small kids is pretty much impossible, unless you run a hedge fund or something. So, <laughs> and once we moved down here, I was like, oh, I'm never training people again. Just do everything online, and, and that's that. Um, RP, man, it's just really funny. Again, it just kind of shows hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, but... Now, would we have chosen the same name now if we kind of would have known that, hey, if we fast forward eight years, we would be decently well known? I don't know if we would have chosen the same name. So Renaissance, pretty self-explanatory, kind of the rebirth. So we wanted it to be, we had just seen so much stuff in person, the way people train people in person and from you know bodybuilding, watching other people do it. There was no real rhyme or reason. Right? It's just kind of like, oh, hey, so-and-so did something. So I'm going to do and that's fine because they're working hard, which is kind of the, the main thing that you have to get. 
So we wanted this rebirth of the science and evidence-based approach into fitness. That's Renaissance. Um, so that's what, actually, well, no, no, that's one part of it. Renaissance technology is actually a hedge fund in Long Island. And instead of hiring, you know, Wall Street folks and day traders and all that, they hire PhDs, mathematicians, you know, rocket scientists, you know, those types. And they consistently outperform the market every single year maybe barring like one year or something. But again, it's just like they have a formula, they have an equation of how things work and they just stick with that, right? They don't give into fads and gimmicks or whatever might pop up. So again, that's what's kind of the, the one A and one or one B reason behind it. Again, like we wanted that, we wanted that sort of equation. Now you can only do that so much in the fitness world, like you said, because you have to have that sort of art of coaching and a science and you have to kind of mold those two together if you really want the best results. So that's kind of how Renaissance was. Uh, the name was chosen. Periodization, hopefully self-explanatory for people listening. You use one phase to set up the next phase. There you go. I actually think it's extremely fitting, like listening to that and like knowing what you guys do now, especially because a lot of what you guys put out, it's, it's a lot of education. It's and when I look at what you guys do, it's even more so education than, uh, than coaching, right? I know you guys still coach, but like you guys are at the forefront of educating coaches on how to coach. You know what I mean? And I think that like, I was, I, I'm surprised you guys haven't, I mean, who knows you might in the future, but uh, come out with like a certification because what you guys are doing is just as high quality, especially if people are a part of RP plus, which I'm a part of, and, and you guys have been given for free ever since COVID, which has been amazing. But um, I've been a paying member for a long time and you guys put so much content and education in that place. Um, to me, it's, it's like, you guys are like the educational hub. And, and I guess, was that, was that your plan at the beginning? Or did you guys start more on the front of like, we just want to coach people in, like you said, rebirth, like do this the right way. Cause you see all these trainers doing it incorrectly, which I 100% agree with. Um, and, or from the start, where you like eventually we want to become like this educational resource? A little bit of both. So we just started out, we wanted to coach people. And that was really, that, that was it. Like we just knew we wanted to coach people. We wanted to help people. Um, I mean, we started with more hardcore folks like bodybuilders, powerlifters, people that were already really serious. And we just love that because that's what we did ourselves. So, you know, we could have only done that you know, only coach bodybuilders or whatever, and we'd be totally fine. We'd be totally happy. But uh, we kind of realized that um, you know, it's sort of funny because most people think if you give stuff away for free, like you're kind of hurting yourself. Well, like we saw other people, you know, doing that and giving information away for free. And we're like, well, why don't we just do that? Like, we know we have the information. Why don't we start doing that? So yeah, we had RP plus. It was like nine ninety nine a month or something like that. But yeah, like now we just make it free, especially with COVID. We're just like, hey, people are at home more. Boom, here you go. But uh, even that, you know, like our YouTube channel is completely free. I mean, how many hours of, of footage on there can you watch? And there's like college level courses and all that stuff on there. It's like, if you just give that stuff away for free, well, one, you're helping people. But two, like enough people are going to come to that, that you're, you know, it's going to be a net benefit, of course. And then three, you know, those people are just going to be really big fans. And what happens, like, they're going to probably help support you because you're doing so much for free. So it's not like this, uh, it's just a, a net win for everyone, really. You got to play the patience game, you know, because I think oh, that, yeah. you know, because I think doing that is great. And that we do the same thing. We put content out everywhere, but it builds trust with people. So when they do need to purchase something that's going to help them, they're probably going to come to the people they trust, which is you if you're putting out this much content. Yeah, I, I think Mark Bell was kind of like the, almost, 
pioneer in the fitness world. Like he, that's just always what he did. He was just always giving away stuff for free. And I think it's been to his benefit, of course. I mean, he's a very well-known individual. And so if you kind of follow that model, it's probably a pretty good one. Cause like you said, you got to build that trust. <laughs> if we talk a little bit about the book later on, but yeah, one of the key things is you definitely have to play the long game. Uh, it's, Man, I could literally talk for hours about people not wanting to play the long game and it's to their detriment. Well, let's, let's start there. I mean, my next question was, why did you write this book? So if you want to kind of tell us why, and then you can dive right into, essentially, I know you have like the success pyramid, which I will say it's part of me laughed because I'm like, there's a pyramid for everything, but it makes it so easy to understand. Like, you know, the, the recovery book you guys have, um, I had James on for, and we went through the whole thing. And it was like, that pyramid makes it so much easier for people to understand what's important with recovery. For nutrition, same thing. Hypertrophy, same thing. So it's so perfect that you did this for success as well. But um, take us through the evolution of that. Like, why did you decide to write this? And, and kind of, we'll start going through the sections if we can. Yeah, so 2020, here we are. End of, end of 2020 is quickly approaching. It's been a rough year for everyone. Uh, real quick backstory, January, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And you know that was obviously a slap to the face. She's relatively young, she's healthy. She's better than I do, if we're being completely honest. Like the epitome of health, just someone that you, you would never picture anything like that ever happening to. And so it's just kind of, kind of this big eye opener. She has surgery, she has complications from the surgery. She's in the hospital for like a week. Um, then she starts chemo in March. I went with her to the first treatment. What happens after that? COVID hits, quarantine, shelter in place. Like here we are, just kind of like one gut punch after another, just you know, comedy of, er of errors, uh, so to speak. And it would have been far too easy to just really get down on our luck and just be like, oh, woe is us. Like, oh, poor us. You know, everyone should feel sorry for us. And I just don't operate that way. I just, I'm never gonna be that, that way. I don't ever wanna be seen as like a victim. So, you know, I. I if we go even further back, I'd always been just fascinating with uh, reading, learning, figuring out why people are successful. And like, what are the things that these people do? And so I kind of had this framework in my mind. But, you know, it's one thing to, to talk about these things. And we can hop on podcasts all day long and talk about it. But it's a little bit different when you're truly forced to live these aspects every single day of your life. Like, there's no other option. Like, we were you know, stuck at home for months, you know, because my wife's health, like we couldn't go out. Like we were taking the stay at home stuff very seriously for a long time. And so for me, it was just like, all right, well, I'm not going to wallow in self-pity. I'm not going to be a victim. What can I do that's going to make some good come of this? And how can I help people? And so it's funny, just one morning I was reading and it just kind of hit me. I'm like, well, I have these kind of like 10 main things. What if I just made them into a pyramid? And so I sat down and I sketched something out you know, of course, I show it to Mike. We get on a call for you know, a good hour debate, debating all this stuff back and forth. And so he helped me rework it a little bit. And I was just like, I think we're onto something here. And, and the cool part about RP is we've always been great at helping people when it comes to fitness, health, nutrition, right? Recovery, like you said. But we don't really have anything that takes one step outside of the fitness circles. So overcoming adversity, overcoming obstacles, maybe more like mindset. And I don't want to call this book like sports psychology, but uh, you know, it has some pretty relevant stuff to whether you are in fitness, you're in business, or if you just need to overcome adversity, right? Like the same principles that make someone successful in any of those three things, 
they're all the same, they're all universal. And so that was really this eye opener to me. It's like, I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of really top athletes. You start hearing them talk and you start working with them and you notice the same themes coming up. Like, why are they successful? Well, it's because they do these handful of things. So that's really the backstory for the book. And I just love the idea of, if you look at successful people, what do they do, right? And then if you look at unsuccessful people, what do they do? Well, is it kind of the inverse? And if it is the inverse, you're probably onto something. Because if you only look at successful people, well, you might get that bias, right? Like, okay, well, is that really why? Or there's some other things. And then you look on the flip side of that and you start to notice the, the inverse applies. And so that was really the light bulb for me. I was like, yeah, I think, you know, I'm something here. When you, when you said uh, watching what successful, successful people do, that, that's something that has just been not consuming of me, but I've always like sought out interviews of, of business owners and professional athletes and CEOs and what's going on behind the scenes and what do they do every day? When do they wake up? What do they do in the morning? What do they do at night? Do they have a routine? Do they not have a routine? Like, what do they journal? Like, I've always been fascinated by that. And I think it's cool because like you said, success leaves clues. A lot of times you look at all these people yeah. and you read from these authors and you're like, oh, this is why I started meditating. Uh, I'm not like a huge meditator, but I did get into that because I was like, I don't want to meditate, but every person I'm looking into seems to think it has a benefit. So let me give this a try because there's obviously something good about calming down and, and kind of shutting your sympathetic nervous system down every once in a while. Um, so I love that, man. Uh, can, you, can you take us through the actual pyramid, like just like titles, and then we can kind of break it down? Yeah, totally. It's funny that you say that about meditation and mindfulness because I was the exact same way. I mean, you know, I kind of rolled my eyes thinking, oh, that's too, yeah. I don't know, wishy-washy, you know, hippity-dippity, whatever, whatever. Um, and so I was really skeptical. But then you start just looking into it more and you start realizing that it's, there's just a lot of other benefits that come from that, mainly just being more self-aware, mm -hmm. not being as reactionary, being more rational, more logical, so you don't react emotionally because what happens when you react emotionally, usually good things are not gonna happen. Usually it's bad stuff. Now that's uh, always the case, of course, but you know that's really the key to it. And you start to just get that sense of, hey, something happens. I don't have to react emotionally or right away impulsively. You kind of just get that little split second. If you can buy yourself that little split second, it doesn't even have to be a long time you just are able to prevent yourself from overreacting to things or just reacting uh, irrationally, right? And if you can do that, you're gonna be better off. So like, that's the thing, I'm, I'm right there with you. Am I good at it? No, I suck at it. I still find myself, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, this is like the hardest thing in the world. But uh, and, you know, there's lots of days where I'll just kind of sit there and I'm just like, I feel like that was completely useless. That's also part of it, right? So successful people, even if they have those days, they just keep going and they just keep doing it. Right? So a lot of people, more unsuccessful people, you know, might have one of those days and then they'll just quit. Well, are you ever going to get better if you quit? No, of course not. So I'm glad you brought that up because I feel the same way. I think yeah. uh, many people, if they've never done it before, are going they're thinking exactly what we're thinking, but they might just never do it because they're you know, afraid. Yeah, 100%, man. I couldn't agree more. So yeah, so, so real quick, you know, I, I can talk a lot about this stuff all day long, but so the pyramid. So there's sort of seven key pillars of it, you know, seven habits of success. So the most foundational one is work ethic. 
I, and that's, it's the most self-explanatory one. Like it's honestly the shortest chapter in the book, even though it's the most foundational one. You know, why is that? I mean, everyone knows you have to work hard, right? And so the reason that it's important is because it just, it literally creates success. So again, if we take fitness, which is a perfect analogy that we can use, you can have the best diet in the world. You can have the best training plan in the world. Well, what happens if it just sits there on your computer or your phone and you never do anything with it? Nothing happens. Literally nothing happens. It's like you might as well not even have it. So you got to have action, right? You can have the best ideas in the world when it comes to business. But if you don't take action on them, you don't do anything with them, nothing happens. You're just spinning your wheels. So that's why that one's at the bottom of the pyramid. You have to have that before anything else. Um, above that, you have internal locus of control. Here's a fascinating thing that I found with this. A lot of people, they're like, did you misspell locus? And I'm like, no, no, I did not misspell it. Like, I'm, I'm not that dumb, right? Like, I wouldn't <laughs> misspell that. Everyone knows the idea and the concept, but they've just never heard that terminology before. But essentially all it is, in a nutshell, is do you believe things happen to you? Or do you believe that the actions you take matter and that the actions and the steps that you take matter and will influence your outcomes. And if you think the latter of the two, that's more of an internal locus of control. You think more of the opposite, you think things happen to you, well, there's nothing you can do about it, right? It kind of goes back to that victim mentality where, well, why would you do anything if you don't think what you do matters, right? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, number three is positive mindset. So again, it's not necessarily just mindset, but it's you know, how do you think? Are you more hopeful? Or are you more optimistic? Are you more pessimistic about what you think and all that? Because if you think more positive, well, chances are, and again, a lot of these things tie into one another, of course, they all kind of interrelate. If you think more positively, you're gonna be more hopeful that the actions you do take will matter. And again, it all just kind of falls back into, if you believe all those things, well, you're gonna take more action and do more work to eventually create better results. So that's number three. Number four, discipline. Love talking about that one. I think a big key to that, you know, we can kind of touch on these a little bit as you want, but um, you know, long term, you got to think long term. Delayed gratification, it's kind of the big, big one up there. Uh, number five after that is sort of your purpose and meaning, right? And so again, we kicked off the episode. You said, "Hey, what's your background?" My background's always been fitness, and even if we want to take one sort of look underneath that. Well, again, what's fitness all about? It's this continual pursuit of getting better, right? That's at the foundation of honestly everything that I do. So why did I get into bodybuilding? Well, you can always get better, right? It's the same with business, the same with everything. Like you can always be getting better. If you're a real big fan of self-improvement, you love that. You're just going to keep doing it. So that's kind of my overall purpose, meaning, and my why behind things. Um, and then number six, you have uh, failure, which is a really unique one. Because you think, well, successful people, why would failure be up there? And it's really just how you respond to failure. Because a lot of people think that, well, if you fail, then you just kind of quit and give up. Well, that's the thing that unsuccessful people do. Successful people, they get failure, experience failure. They just keep going. They figure out a way to maneuver around it or they learn from it so it doesn't happen again. And then at the top of the pyramid, you have recharge. So again, you know, fits in perfectly to, to training and especially on this podcast, people are used to hearing more evidence-based stuff. You can't just go, 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 right? There has to be a little bit of a balance. So I said, let's recharge. You can't just, you know, you can't just grind, 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 hardcore brother. You, know, you gotta be able to ease up a little bit. I love it, man. There's so many things in there that I, that I can 
resonate with and align with so well. Like I actually recorded a podcast recently and, and I stole this from a friend of mine, Jordan Syatt, but he, uh, he talked about it, like the, I called it the success loop. He didn't have a title for it, but it's like you take action, you get a result and that result creates motivation to take action again. And most people try to seek out motivation and rely on that motivation to push them to take action and then get a result. Um, but it, it all starts with action, right? Your action is what matters most. And I love that. Uh, you mentioned that. And I also love the failure. I think that's something that people probably were surprised you threw in there, but I was actually just talking to the, one of the guy that works for me, it is all of our media and everything. Uh, he was talking to me about, he, so he was my roommate. I don't know how many years ago. And I was a trainer in person at this place, really well-known gym in the city in Seattle. And, uh, and I was getting ready to give up all my clients, get rid of everything to start this online business. Cause I had this, like this vision and everything. And he was like, man, I just remember people just telling, you no and telling you like, it was such a bad idea and it didn't make sense. Like you have security over and over again. And it was almost like, you just didn't even like listen. <laughs> you just like ignored and kept moving forward. And he's like, I don't, I don't have that talent. Like, I don't know how you do that. And I told him, I was like, man, it's just, it's, I don't care about failure. It's like, that doesn't change the ending outcome, you know? Yeah. I mean, man, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. So a lot of people do get all that negative talk, right? So if we go back to diet and training, you start eating better. Well, were the people around you, were they supportive of you? Or are they, you know, oh, hey, why don't you have a beer tonight? Why don't you have some pizza? And like, of course you can't have those things in moderation, but like, are they supportive of the things you're trying to go after? And so a lot of people, well, they don't want to do these things because they're hard. So they're going to make little comments like that or something. And they're going to kind of, you know, try to bring you down a little bit, so to speak. And yeah, it's the same thing, right? So why take risks when it comes to business? Like you're getting a lot of people out there that tell you no, like, hey, that's silly and all that stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but did you just like totally go cold? Like you just, you got rid of all your clients in person and just went exclusively online? Or was there a little like segue there where you kept some or? There was, there was a segue that I, I started training people online before I left, but uh, to me, it was like a respect thing. I, I wanted to leave on good terms. I had a really good relationship with the people who owned that gym and they were well-known in the industry. So to me, I was like, hey, I will take the next couple months to transition all my clients to the other coaches at the gym and I'm going to kind of do my thing. And it was actually when I found out I was having a kid. Once I found out my wife was pregnant, I was like, all right, now's the chance. Like I had, if, if not now, then never, <laughs> you know? So I just jumped at it. Yeah, so, you know, that's really interesting. So I think there's a book by uh, Adam Grant. I forget which one it is, but he kind of talks about that. And you know, one of the things that he talks about is a lot of people think that you always have to take that leap from zero to a hundred. And in my case, I guess, cause I really thought about that when I read it because it seemed like a lot of people don't necessarily do that, but it seems that way. So I had that transition period where I was still doing some in person and it kind of that balance kept shifting back and forth. It wasn't like I just one day, you know, dropped all my clients. I was like, Oh, I'm done. Cause that would have been a really big risk. But the interesting thing is, you know, my wife had a really good job in New York city, very good, worked at a big time law firm, all that stuff. She was on the business side. And so she had that. So I almost kind of look back, like did that sort of allow me to take more risks because not everyone has that. Right. And then, but it was funny because we moved to Charlotte. So we moved from New York city to Charlotte halfway across the country. And then she ended up quitting her job that we moved down here for. Right. And then we were all in, we were 100% all eggs in the RP basket in 2015. 
And so what are the pros and cons? Well, the cons are if we fail, then we fail big. So we basically had the mindset, we're like, we cannot fail. We cannot, we will not fail. And we worked around the clock, literally around the clock. Again, like we go back to that, answering every single client email, message on social media. You know, since 2015, this is almost six years ago now, like every single day. And when I say every single day, I'm not joking, I'm not exaggerating, right? Because if we took a day off, what would happen? We would get behind, right? Because there were so many messages coming in each day, like we couldn't do it. Now, again, like we were able to eventually step back just a tiny little bit to get some help in. So we weren't, you know, getting the burnout. So again, like, it's just funny when you look at it like that, because a lot of people think that you have to take these huge risks. And sometimes you do for sure. But, uh, you know, I just kind of look back at it from our approach where I think maybe that's, that helped RP originally get off the, get his feet off the ground. I think there is something to say about kind of having your back against the wall. Cause if I look at my situation too, it was like, I found out I was having a daughter. So we immediately put a, down a down payment on our first home because we were living in an apartment because we were like, we can't stay in this apartment with a baby. Um, I quit my job and then I asked my wife to not go back to work after maternity leave (laughs) because I was like, this this has to work. I don't want to put our kids in daycare. I want you to to be home. So to me, it was like, that's a lot of pressure. And it was crazy how fast the business grew once I had that pressure on my Mm -hmm. back because kind of going back to to your principle of, of meaning and purpose and why, like your reason why, like it, it really fueled that why for me. Um, but at the same time, I also love that you didn't put why at the bottom. Cause a lot of people, you know, like the books start with why, like people talk about, you got to find your purpose and your why. And I agree with that, but I, I believe that if you don't start taking action to just start doing work, you might not even realize what your purpose or meaning is. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's a lot of debate in, I think some really good arguments could be made for if you flip around some of the things on the pyramid, I would probably shake my head and say, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I think right. you're actually right. We can change some things around. So there's definitely a little bit of debate back and forth on the exact order. Um, like they're all important, right? Like you kind of need to have that action before you can do stuff. And, you know, it kind of all makes logically sense that way. So, but there is a good argument for sure. And I, I couldn't argue too much with people. Except that how important do you think that, uh, I mean, you just, you just kind of spoke on it, like basically pushing yourself until burnout or close to it. How important do you think that is for business owners to kind of go through that, that grinding phase? Cause I can, I can tell you, I had the first two years for us was the same way. It was just like, I felt like every day I was doing something. I didn't care. I loved it at the time. It was stressful, but it was to me necessary to build what I wanted to build. Do you feel like people kind of got to go through that just grimy dirt grinding phase to get to become successful how successful Hmm. i guess that's a different definition for everybody right yeah totally so if you want to be top of the top you got to go through that i don't care who you are you got to go through that if you want to just you know be reasonably successful and again that definition here's the thing about success it differs for every single person out you know, success could be overcoming cancer. It could be overcoming, uh, you know, whatever. You get fired from a job. You go through a divorce, something like that. Like overcoming adversity. It could be business. It could be sports. It could be fitness. So there's just different levels of success and what it means to people. And it's totally okay. I think if people want to kind of have that work-life balance, so to speak, um, you you can have that, and you you'll be okay. I think you'll be well off, I suppose. But I think if you really want to get to the top 
you have to go through that period and there's going to be a lot of suck along the way. And again, I think people that just really have that why it's just what they want to do. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but uh, you know, people kind of ask me like, oh, like, are you kind of happy with like where you are and whatever? And I'm super incredibly grateful for everything that I have. I'd never want that to come across as I'm not grateful because I am like, I grew up from, you know, lower middle class, like rural Michigan, middle of nowhere, all that. So like, I'm incredibly grateful for where I am, but at the same time, I feel like I'm like even nowhere close to where I can be or where I should be. So it's just like this balancing act of, of those two things. Like, does that, does that make sense? You ever kind of have that? Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like you're never satisfied, mm -hmm. which, fuels you to grow yeah. but it's also like fuck i'm never satisfied <laughs> that's not always the most positive thing yeah but and again like well we can we can kind of interpret things two ways right like mm -hmm. we have the power to interpret and sort of choose so a lot of people will see that as a negative and they'll say oh like you're just never happy you're never going to be happy okay that's one way to look at it i suppose but on the flip side of that i love that mindset because I know I always want to get better. I don't care really what it's at, right? It could be business, it could be fitness, it could be sports, whatever, you name it. But like, there's always something to aim for. There's always more to do. And I like that. I like that journey because that's just what it is. It's a journey. It's not like there's this destination and it ends. It's just, no, like, uh, this is just what I love. It's like part of who I am. It's, just, it's what I do. Yeah, I, uh, I think it was, I can't remember the book, Simon Sinek's new book. Uh, he talks a lot about being process oriented versus outcome oriented. And I kind of think it's, you have to have that process oriented mindset of like, it, it's not necessarily the ending destination that I'm going to get to that's going to satisfy me or make me happy or, or give me quote unquote success. It's this process and this growth journey leading towards, I always say chasing the unicorn, like it really never stops. You know, it, it's, you're never going to find the unicorn. It's not real, but it's, you're going to keep chasing it and pursuing it. Um, I don't remember who I heard that from, but as soon as they said, I was like, that's exactly what it, what finding success is like. That's what it is. Yeah. And for, if you're into fitness, if you really love fitness, you probably already have that mindset a lot built in. Like think back to bodybuilding, I competed in bodybuilding is there ever an end in sight to bodybuilding? No, like, you know, bodybuilders are never happy. Like there's always a little bit more muscle they can put on somewhere, a little bit leaner they can get, be better conditioned, things like that. Power lifter, like, are you kidding me? Power lifters are never satisfied. They always want to lift a little bit more. You squat a thousand pounds, awesome. Well, how can I squat a thousand and five pounds, right? It's just, that's just the mindset that a lot of people have that truly want to reach and like, they just kind of know what it takes. And yeah, you know, they, they do love that process. And, Again, if you love that process enough, usually over time, if you stay patient, stay on that journey, you're going to get success. Now, might you become the best in the world? I don't know. There's probably a lot more involved to it than just hard work to get there. But, you know, again, like it's just embracing that mindset of always wanting to get better, having a more, you know, a growth mindset. And that's just what it takes. Yeah. I, uh, one question I had for you when you were talking about, like, we we're talking about the grinding phases is, is work-life balance. You kind of talked about that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because uh, I think... I've, uh, I've said before that we're like, it's bullshit, balance is bullshit, because if you want to build an empire, if you want to build something big, it is going to take the majority of your time. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be present at home or still spend time with your family. It just means that if we look at hour by hour of my day, I work more hours than I hang out with my daughter, but that's the sacrifice I make to build what I'm building. Um, and it doesn't mean I'm not present when I'm home with my daughter, you know? And, and so 
I'm, I'm wondering if you, if you're along the same lines, if you think that you can have that balance more, um, if you delegate properly or like, what are your thoughts on that? It's a really good question. I definitely didn't have that balance for like a couple of years, like you said, and it really shifts things because you do kind of get close to that teetering on the edge of burnout and it really makes you prioritize and reevaluate things. But at the same time, like now that we have a lot better team at RP and there's a lot of folks doing stuff, I actually do have a better work-life balance. Now, some of it was because of having to homeschool and the craziness that is 2020. And you know, our kids are home all the time. We both work from home, my wife and I, and you know, I luckily have a home gym here. So we really weren't leaving our house or doing anything. So again, like, was that too much of a shift back in the other way in terms of that balance? Like, you know, that's hard to say, but you know, if, you're, if you are home enough, long enough, you just kind of get, you just want to get out and do stuff. So you can find ways to be a bit more balanced. And I think there's always a dichotomy. You always have to weigh that. But like, yeah, if you want to truly get to the top, you're not really ever in 50-50 in balance. Now, balance might be 80-20. You know, you're not just working all the time. We know when family is important, you know, all these other things are important. So you are making time for that. But I don't think there's ever a true 50-50 split. And some people won't like that answer. And that's fine, but that's what it takes to get to the top. And I would, yeah, but all the way up. Yeah, and I, and I think too, like you doing it that way allows you to spend more time now. You know, so it's kind of like the pain of that gives you the pleasure of this. Because yeah. I even know for me, like this whole year, like 2020 has been like my focus has been delegation. What can I give? Like we've built the team more and then what can I give them to do? How many more responsibilities can they have? And that's given, given me more time with my family and it's given them growth, you know, but I think mm -hmm. if I didn't spend those two years of not having that balance, still being present, but not home nearly as much as I am now, yeah. we wouldn't be able to do that. For sure. Like you, you, I mean, you have to build that, right? Because you couldn't just start with lots of delegation because probably didn't make sense, mm -hmm. like financially. I mean, you're probably struggling when you first get started, so you're not able to have a bunch of help. So you've got to grind. Like, there's going to be that period at some point where you just got to put in that work, like pretty much no matter who you are. Like, there, you have to go through that at some point. Um, we're, we're getting closer to the time, so I want to make sure I go back to this because before we even start talking about the book, this is the first thing you said, and it was about uh, kind of like a longevity mindset. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about why that's so important. Because I think that's one of the biggest issues with the, the fitness and nutrition industry today, not only from people wanting to go through fad diets and get a quick fix, you know, but also from like we talked about earlier, trainers that are like, hey, man, like I just finished my uh, NASM CPT. I have an Instagram account. I want to coach people online now. And it's like, man, <laughs> there's so much more you have to do before you have the right to be telling people what to do in the gym and with their diet across the country, you know, so uh, talk to us about that longevity and the, that requirement. Yeah. So I think it's all about delayed gratification. So everyone wants instant results. Everyone wants instant gratification. Like that's not new. We're all human. We all want that. Of course, I want to become a billionaire by tomorrow and everyone does. Right. That's just not how it works. It's just, you're, you're setting yourself up for too much failure. If you think that, because even for people that have, let's say a moderate uh, time horizon approach, like they're going to get frustrated along the way and they might end up quitting. But like the people that are really successful, they stick to the basics and they do these sort of seemingly simple mundane things, but they keep doing them and they keep doing them. And even when it sucks, even when they're frustrated and tired. And again, I have to remind myself of this all the time. 
it's actually good to have Dr. Mike around sometimes because he reminds me of it. Sometimes I remind him of it. And, um, but it's just part of this longer term approach. And you have to have that if you want to be successful because you might be willing to take trade-offs and, and make some impulsive decisions if you care too much about what happens you know, overnight. Well, you think five, five, 10 years from now, you're going to make probably better choices than you do right here in the present moment because we all want results and we all want them overnight, right? It's literally why we basically have jobs in the fitness industry because people try all these fads and gimmicks. They don't work. They get frustrated. And then what happens? Well, eventually they come over and I like, go, oh, hey, I saw you know something online. I'm going to check this RP thing out. And I'm like, hey, we don't have any magic. We don't have any secrets, but we have a really simple and easy follow plan. And if you do it, you will get results, but you got to bring your work ethic and you got to be consistent because consistency is key. Consistency is literally everything. And when you think like that, you just keep going, you keep doing these little things over, over time, right? What, so, what starts to slowly happen, starts compounding. And again, you almost don't even notice it, but it keeps building on itself. And then all of a sudden, a year from now, you keep doing all these things a couple of years from now, you're a fundamentally different person. Again, like it's not rocket science. So why doesn't everyone do this? Well, it's because we're human. And we make all sorts of stupid mistakes all the time because we're too impulsive, right? Like, why aren't more people in shape or why do we have an obesity epidemic? Well, because we have all this tasty, delicious stuff in front of us and it tastes good and we want to do it now, right? Like, think about 2020 and how many people are probably worse off because of the you know, pandemic and all that stuff. Well, they're probably just making bad choices. And I get it because we're stressful times and all that. But, you know, again, the successful people are just going to take the better steps, better actions. They're going to form the better habits over time from doing these things and just kind of becomes part of who they are. I think uh, it sounds brutal, but <laughs> the, the timeline game, it, it kind of weeds out the week. You know, I think you have to be willing. And, and I talk to people about this all the time, even with fitness, like when they're first getting started with us, I'm, I'm like, you know, we have this like contract that if you work with our coaches, you have to commit to three months, but I want you to know that your results are going to take much longer than that. You know, and there are times where people can go through a three month cut for sure. Um, but there's a lot of gem pop people that we work with that I'm like, I need you to commit to a year. Like I need you mentally, not to me. I don't need you to sign anything. I need you to commit to yourself that you're going to do this for a year because it's not going to be quick. It's not going to be something that just happens. And if it does, you're not going to sustain it unless you spend enough time learning what the fuck to do to sustain that. And that takes work takes time totally uh 100 and on the flip side if you just look at people that are less successful well it's because they're not willing to play the long game and they just they make bad choices bad decisions that they're too impulsive they only care about what's in front of them right here right now and they're just not thinking longer term right and the best example is really personal finances well how do you become better off well, you have to play the long game you have to there's tons of allures out there and there's probably lots of predators that want to prey on people that think instant gratification. But again, like there's nothing sexy about this approach, right? And that's the problem because there's all these more sexier approaches that offer all these things, but they don't work. And, you know, eventually people get burnt and probably come around to it. Hopefully if they're, if they are going to be successful, they will come around to that eventually. But yeah, it's just, it's really tough. It's a really tough mindset because we look around and comparing ourselves to others. We have social media. We're like, well, hey, you know, so-and-so has something that I don't have. Like, I want that now. Like, what do I need to do? And then you go try to replicate that and it doesn't work. But if you just said, hey, well, I don't actually don't care what they have. I don't care what they're doing. I'm just gonna commit to myself 
keep getting better, focus on that internal locus of control. And all of a sudden, six months, a year from now, like you're probably past that other person, right? <laughs> like it's just how it works. It's just really funny. It's just nothing sexy and stuff. Like, people don't want to do it. It's yeah. boring. Yeah, it is. I think that's a good point too. I think a lot of times, in my experience at least, when I do set that longer term goal, that bigger goal that I'm like, all right, this is going to take a while. Usually I get there faster than I thought I would. And, and you actually pick progress up quicker because you have that long mindset, right? Um, regarding the, the success pyramid and the book and everything, is there any one thing that you feel like we left out or didn't harp on enough that people really need to hear or reason they need to read this? I think the two most important parts are the delayed gratification and the internal locus of control. I just think if you have those things, again, you don't really focus on what other people are doing. You don't really care. And I'm not saying this is easy. I, I still struggle with it myself. I'll look around on social media. I'm like, come on, I see that stuff. And I'm like, ah, yeah, you know, I need to do that. Like we're all guilty of it, right? It's whether or not we act on that or we think, okay, let's like take that logical step back. And, you know, can we control what other people are doing? Probably not. So let's focus on what we can do and just keep doing that. Again, you have to play that long game. If you do that, you're going to be more successful. It's just, it's, it's not sexy. It's hard and it's boring. Can you market hard and boring? Right? It's hard. Right? That's why, you know, you see all this stuff out there that's, you know, fads and gimmicks and all that, because that's what most people want. Like it's literally wired into our human brains. So it's tough, man. It's a tough thing out there, but uh, if you want to be successful, you got to sort of commit to that longer term approach and just playing that slow, steady, boring game. Yeah. I think that's uh, the least sexy, but most important advice that you could possibly give the listeners. Honestly, I think that's great. I, I know. Right. And I, boy, I wish I had, I wish I had something where I could come on and be like, this is the thing you need to do this. Like if you do this one thing, that's what people want. People yeah. want that. They want it. Like they're literally out there looking for it. Well, that one thing doesn't really exist. And if there is one secret, it's like you said. So you try to take that fast approach and you burn out and you probably start off worse than you were and you keep repeating that. Whereas like that person that just takes the slow, steady approach, they do end up getting there faster. And that's really the secret. Like if people want that secret, that's the secret. But again, it's just hard when we're human. So people aren't going to want to do it. Or they might want to do it for a little bit. But they'll just get bored or distracted and they'll quit and people that just stay committed, they stay on that track. Well, a couple of years from now, you look back and you're like, Ooh, like, what did you do? Like, what's your secret? And you're like, okay, well, remember what I told you five years ago on that podcast? Well, I literally just did that every single day. And then, you know, the other people who knows what they're doing and yeah, there's, there's no magic. There's no secret out there, unfortunately. Yeah. There's no hacks. And I think people are constantly looking for little hacks, but um, now that you've, you've finished writing the book, um, is there like, what are your thoughts now are like for the next step? Like, are you like, man, now I want to, I want to dive more into this topic. I want to talk about this more. I want to put together a program. I want to do another book. Do you have any other plans? Uh, Selfish so little, question. Just cur personally yeah. curious. <laughs> yeah. So there's a little part in the book that says like, where do you think RP will be in five years? And it goes back to that whole process being process oriented. I don't know exactly where we'll be. I just know we're going to keep aiming to get a little bit better each and every single year. You know, the same applies with our app, the RP Diet Coach app. We're going to keep releasing little updates every few months or so, and we're going to keep getting better and we'll keep getting more and more data from users and we'll just keep getting better. And like where that approach is going to take us exactly, I'm not 100% sure, but I just, I know a year from now we'll be better. A year after that, we'll be even better than 
than a year from now. It's just like, that's what's, what keeps going. So in terms of me personally, um, you know, I love talking about this stuff. I could talk about it all day long. Um, yeah, you know, maybe I, it's funny too, because at some point you have to draw a line. Like I could have kept tweaking this book long enough and like delaying the, the release date because there's always more stuff you read and learn. You want to, you know, add it in. But, uh, you know, at some point you just have to draw that line and be like, okay, like this is good enough for now. Let's get it out and confident in it. So yeah, it would be cool to do another book. Um, maybe have some some plans, uh, but there nothing has started yet. But you know, there's always something up, up here cooking. Yeah, yeah, I love the idea of, of not really knowing where you go, where you're going, except up. Like that's that's I think that's a really big takeaway for people to listen to. Um, I, I used to ask this personality question to interviews like all the time, uh, long time ago, and just based on this this conversation that makes me want to ask you this question but uh it was it was kind of like this personality question it's a scenario and this is the last thing uh, i'll ask you today but you're on a flight to japan so you have a long flight ahead of you and you have two empty seats next to you that you could put anybody in dead or alive but they cannot be friends or family who would be sitting next to you for that 13 hour flight or whatever it is I'll take one sports person, so I'll take either, well, so I'm going to say Kobe Bryant because he's no longer around. Uh, otherwise, I would say Michael Jordan, who's kind of 1A, 1B. Um, I think they have a fascinating mindset. The other person, I'd probably take someone that's more uh, you know, business-oriented, so uh, let's say Jeff Bezos. Mm. That's that would, right up your alley. Yeah. Valerian. Yep, yep. That would be an interesting conversation to have, have with that guy. If you lived over here, it's it's – it's crazy watching the evolution of Amazon because everywhere you go now, there's an Amazon headquarters, like literally every town or city lining up to Seattle from Tacoma. It's just, it's nuts. So, um, but that's cool, man. That would be, that would be a good flight for sure. Be a good flight. I was going to say, I'd probably just take a bunch of books with me too. I thought that was actually going to be the question. Like you have a 12 hour flight. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Probably reading. Yeah. That's usually, usually I, I, get a book and try to, if it's a long flight, I'm like, I, I got one book to finish on this flight there and back. Totally. So, but man, I appreciate your time today. This is a great podcast with this. It's a topic that we haven't really dove into heavily on this, on the show. So I think it's going to be really applicable to a lot of people. Um, and it's been great having you on, man. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, just, uh, I love talking about this stuff. So I just uh, appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, before I let you go, of course, like, where can they get the book? Where are Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever uh, social handles that you want to plug? That way I can put them all in the description. Yeah, sure. So just go to Amazon.com and just type in Fit for Success, Nick Shaw. Uh, it'll pop up and you can get it on Kindle or you can get the hardcover. And I'm um, sort of just working on, yeah, it's just funny. Uh, you know, you do something for the first time. Like I'm trying to kind of figure all that stuff out and make sure it's on Amazon Prime. And by the time this does drop, it, it should be... Uh, available on Amazon Prime as well, but you know, just get it on Amazon. Um, at RP Strength, it's probably where most people know about us from. It's our main Instagram. And then uh, myself personally is uh, at nick.shaw.rp. Perfect, man. I'll link all that in the show notes once again. Thank you for coming on. Thank you.